The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David, by the Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer. Nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. I'd like to invite the children to come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning. Good to see you guys. I wanted to show you guys something here. Who can tell me what this is? It's one dollar. I'm going to put that right here. There's another way of showing one dollar, too. Does anybody know what these are? These are coins. These are dimes. Did you know that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So these are the same thing. One dollar and ten of these dimes. You know what's kind of funny about a dollar, though? It's kind of hard to break. I mean, we could kind of tear it in half and share it around, but then it, it wouldn't quite be the same thing, would it? But if we took these ten coins that mean the same thing, then we can start asking ourselves questions. Well, maybe I could, maybe I could use part of it for one thing, and I could use part of it for something else. But you know, out of ten coins, do you know what God calls us to do with one of them? God calls us with one of these to give it back to God. Now, that's not like throwing it up in the air or anything like that. God calls us to use one out of these ten coins and put it in the offering plate. That doesn't seem like a lot here, but that's kind of a lot when we sit down and think, well, wait a minute, this week maybe I got more than a dollar. Maybe I had ten dollars this week. Or maybe I got a hundred dollars. Or a thousand dollars. Maybe I got five thousand dollars this week. Suddenly that ten percent is like kind of gets to be a big thing. But you know the funny thing about it? It's still just ten percent. <laughs> it's kind of deceptive that way. But sometimes we have to work up to that. Sometimes that's not where we start. Maybe we start out by making that one smaller even, and we start with something else. But the thing that I want you guys to remember and help me with is that God calls us to share back with God some of what we've been blessed with. So can you guys fold your hands? Gracious God, help us to reflect your generosity in how we respond towards you and others. Amen.
Okay, can you guys help me out? I'd like you guys all to take one of these. I need them all to go in the offering plate today, okay? Can you guys take one and put it in the offering plate? There you go. Got it? Okay. Perfect. It's coming. He's looking for the offering plate. He's right on it. (laughs) Isn't it interesting and at the same time horribly uncomfortable how interesting money is? It's like we see it and we just can't stop looking at it. And yet we don't want anybody ever to talk about it or bring it up or point it out. And yet... There it is. It's one of the things that Jesus actually talks about the most. And I think it's somewhat reflected in the text today in that Jesus seemed to like talking about things that made us uncomfortable. And so money was on that list often um, because it made us uncomfortable. And so that's why he would talk about it. In today's text, there are a couple of things coming together, but I think some of the most powerful words that we get today, in addition to the gospel, come from the Old Testament reading. We have been looking forward this next week to celebrate 60 years of history at Grace, and in the text that we have for today, we hear about the generations. We've been walking in the semi-continuous wilderness there. We've heard about Abraham and Isaac, and we've moved down through the generations to Moses, and now on to Joshua, those who have faithfully passed the word and the faith on from one generation to the next. And I want to continue, I want to bring us into the story, so don't panic, we're not going from Joshua to us. I thought we would kind of work it backwards a little bit. As we start out in this space, for some of us here, maybe today, this is the first time we've walked into this place. Maybe we were brought by someone. For others, maybe it was recent, the last couple of months. For some, maybe recent, maybe the last few years. For some, it's been more than a few years. We think of the way in which we came to this place, but I want us to think about it a little more broadly. There were some with us in worship today who were brought to this space as children by their parents, just as there are parents today bringing their children to this space. But 60 years, that's a long time. But in some ways, it's just a drop in the bucket when we start going back. I mean, certainly to Moses, of course. But think about how we got into this space, particularly if some of you have longer histories in this space. Many of us came to this community from other places. I think it's funny how often Grace Lutheran Church in Palo Alto becomes a bit of a Midwest refugee camp of sorts. (laughs) The diaspora gathered to celebrate their own foods and things like that. And we think of those of us brought to church as children in places that were different from this 
but in many ways very similar. We start to march back through time. We showed up today perhaps walking, perhaps on our bikes or in our cars driving to this place, and for most of us perhaps as children it would have been a similar scene being brought to church, but let's go a generation before that or more. We start to get back into the late 1800s, maybe even, and we have people coming to church on foot or by horse in a cart. We think of a generation who would have brought their faith together in a way that would have caused them to stand around and wonders whose farm might have space for a church to be built for the community. And a church would be built. In the early 1700s, there's a church that is now Episcopal, but was built by Swedish Lutherans. And in the pulpit, there is a record of how the pulpit was built. There was one man who brought two sticks. And there was another who brought some other things and another nails that would be brought to fashion a place that the faith might be handed on. But let's go a few generations before that. For many of us in this tradition, those would have been places that were cold. Those would have been places where people would have been packing in old countries with languages that are no longer familiar to our ears, deciding what would go with them on the great journey over the sea and what would be left. What would be the things that you would make space for in a trunk and the things that would not make the journey? Going to a new country, knowing that there was no going back. There was no going back. And in those trunks would have been packed small books, a catechism, a Bible, and certainly in our tradition, most importantly, a hymnal, of course that the songs might be shared. When we look back over the generations, the decisions that were made, all of the things that were done, the sacrifices made to share the faith from one generation to the next, the only words I think that come to my mind, at least initially, is that sense of generosity. That sense of sacrifice. That sense of the things that we would say no to so that there would be things that we could say yes to. Decisions that would be made that would, in some cases, not be easy or simple or pain-free or without cost. When we hear the story today where they're asking Jesus about the most important law he responds with this great response as expected to love God with our whole being. With our whole being. And our neighbors as ourselves. It's this profound sense of how we are called to treat one another as we pass on the faith. It's not something that's easily done. It's not something that's done in a moment it is something that is done over a lifetime. Most of you should have received this last week a postcard inviting you to celebrate Jamboree this week and of course our anniversary celebration. There were three pictures on that postcard. 
three pictures. One that was just from a couple of months ago. One that was from a couple of decades ago. Balloons on a rally day Sunday. And then there was one from the earliest days, gathered in Brown Hall, perhaps when the congregation was formalized, perhaps. It's almost kind of a, an Ellis Island kind of picture where nobody's smiling because it's a, it's a serious photo. <laughs> but there is this sense of this thriving congregation through the generations. But even as we back it up further, there would be many other photos that could be taken, many other stories that can be told. In our family, the story is told when I was baptized in the the white lettering that would be put into the baptismal gown to mark my days and years and baptism date. But there were others that were added as well. These traditions that get handed down out of the generosity and sacrifice of those who have gone before. The story that we have in the Gospel text for today, Jesus is on a road walking and we know the cost is high. The cost is high. But what Christ brings is life. As we talk about this sense of generosity and what might be given, we're mindful that it's this time of year that we celebrate our 60 years, we celebrate 500 years in our tradition, we celebrate 2,000 years as Christians. We have that sense of that generosity. I think the challenge for us as we think of this generosity is that we are called to be generous back to God as God has been generous with us. Not as God was generous with us in 1950 or 1970 or 2000 or even 2011. But how has God blessed us as we look into this next year? Next Sunday, we're going to be gathering our pledge cards as we look towards the future. And I think we have to challenge ourselves and to ask ourselves, am I giving back in a way that is proportionate with how God has blessed me? That's the simple answer. The complicated answer is the one that Jesus gives us. There is this great text in the Gospel here where it says that Jesus silenced them. I'm always curious how these words get translated because the literal sense is often much more blunt. It says that Jesus muzzled them. He muzzled them. And they came at him with questions that had ready answers. It was as if they came to him with one plus one. What is it equal? Just a a simple question. And Jesus routinely is responding with answers like, Love and life. Not exactly easy answers to the equation. And that's the case for us as well. When we reflect on how much God has blessed us, we're not easily going to be able to figure out that in some mathematical formula. But it's something that we will wrestle with. Some sense of proportion. The Bible has several different visions of that. In some places, 6 or 7%, some 10, some 15. 
start to break out in a cold sweat as to what that looks like. But there is consistency that it is a proportion. That it is a proportion. So I would encourage you as you prayerfully consider your pledge this next week, that you do just that. That you prayerfully consider your pledge for this next week. If your pledge is a round number, I will be hugely impressed because I don't know how that equation would work out. I would challenge you to spend time that leaves you with some random number pledge with cents left after it because you've figured out what the percentage is for you. But take the time to do it. It's important that you understand what your gift is relative to how you have been gifted, however you answer that equation. As we hear the text today, Jesus is beginning to move through the stories that are not always easy. And at the end of the text, it's interesting that it says they just they stopped asking him questions. But there is a challenge that he gives us. That we are called in response to him to love God, our neighbors, and ourselves with our whole beings, our heart, our mind, our soul, everything that is about us, which includes the stuff that we've accumulated over time. So I would encourage you to think on those generations, the generosity that has brought us to this place, that has brought you to this place. Amen.